Hi, this is Randall Schwartz, host of Floss Weekly. This week, Simon Phipps joins me to talk about OpenCSW, the packaging system for Solaris. You'll want to hear about this, so stay tuned. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Floss Weekly is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Floss Weekly with Randall Schwartz and Simon Phipps. Episode 163 for April 27th, 2011. Open CSW. This episode of Floss Weekly is brought to you by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For your free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash twit. It's time for Floss Weekly, the show about free, libre, open-source software. I am your host, Randall Schwartz, MerlinAstoneInch.com, coming to you again this week from what looks like a closet, but really is the uh, sort of re refreshment area, the uh, the stay-away area, the, the sleep area. This is caught over there at Media Temple, uh, current uh, providers of bandwidth for me to be able to be here and provide the show to Floss Weekly. Uh, as always, I am joined by a guest this week, my, oh, not a guest, but a co-host. I'm joined by a co-host. Let's call a co-host and that'll be better this time uh, this week it's the incredible mr phipps welcome simon welcome back to the show it's my pleasure i'm here broadcasting from uh, the sunny united kingdom where mm -hmm. temperatures are soaring up into the low cold and heading towards the tepid and maybe even the warm in time for the royal wedding which at the time we're recording is in the future and at the time you're listening to the podcast is in the past very good, very good. Well, though, you know, if they listen to it this afternoon, they might be able to hear it. We do get it out pretty quick on, on the shows these days, at least for the audio. Uh, we have a really interesting couple of guests today. We're going to talk to Philip Brown, who is the founder, the original founder of the Open CSW packaging system. Uh, we're also going to talk to Ben Walton, who is the current head of the, pa of the uh, operation. And uh, we're going to, Open CSW is a packaging system for Solaris, and I think also for Open Solaris. I, I'm pretty sure it works on both of those. But uh, Solaris of course, being the operating system with which with you're a little bit familiar with, Simon, right? Yes, uh, I was involved uh, in that for a little while while I was back at Sun. And indeed, I remember the uh, OpenCSW community um, forking uh, or uh, unhosting itself from uh, Blastwave. So I'm looking forward to finding out how they've got on and uh, why that happened and what they've done since. Very good, very good. But before we bring them on, I have a very important announcement, very, very important announcement to make. We have, a, a once again, a sponsor for this show, Netflix. I use Netflix. I use Netflix every night to help put me to sleep, uh, not because there's some sort of sonic wave system, but because they provide me thousands of TV and movie episodes right to my uh, laptop. So I want to say this episode of Floss Weekly is brought to you by Netflix. Netflix delivers movies directly to your home, and that saves you time, money, and hassle. You can instantly watch thousands of TV episodes and movies, stream directly to your PC or Mac, like my Mac laptop here, or stream to your TV via Netflix-ready device, including the Xbox 360, the PS3, the Nintendo Wii, or my favorite, the Roku. I have the Roku, and it does that just fine for Netflix. You can also get DVDs by mail and 
about one business day. You can watch as many movies as you want, anytime you want. There are never any late fees or due dates. And one of the things I really like about Netflix is their selection for live streaming. I haven't actually used their DVD service, but I've watched their live streaming services uh, since the day I actually uh, got Netflix. Uh, one of the things I was watching last night, they have the entire South Park series. This is great. So I've been watching South Park from episode one all the way through. I've gotten up to about the middle of uh, season two now. And uh, no commercials. You just watch it. You pull it up. And when it's done with one episode, you push a button and it says, here comes the next one. Really love that about Netflix. So you can watch these things instantly, all included for your, with your subscription dollars. You can watch that series. You can watch thousands of TV episodes, thousands of other movies instantly. When you register for a free trial membership, go to netflix.com slash twit, T-W-I-T, and you can sign up for 30 days for your free trial. Please do that. I really like Netflix and really appreciate their support of the show. Well, let's uh, go ahead and bring on our guest. Let's welcome Philip Brown. Phil Brown, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Great. And where are we speaking to you from? I, I can kind of tell, I think, but go ahead and say. <laughs> well, guess again. Um, I'm in Lakewood, California. Ah, ah, but you're feeling really British today, huh? Yes, confiscating my roots. For, the, for, those, uh, for those that aren't watching the video, he's got a, uh, a Union Jack behind him, so I thought it was sort of appropriate that he would uh, have that up there. And let's also welcome Ben Walton. Ben, welcome to the show. Good morning. Great. Where are we speaking to you from? Uh, I'm in Hamilton, uh, which is just outside of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. A Canadian. All right. Very cool. So we're well represented here in today's show with all the uh, English-speaking countries in the world. Um, Phil, um, I, I gave a really poor overview of what OpenCSW was about at the beginning of the show. Uh, I'd like to know if you kind of give us like the 30,000-foot view of what is OpenCSW and what does it contribute to the world? Okay. Um, OpenCSW provides uh, free binary packages for Solaris. Um, <clears throat> we uh, it's it's not quite as um, uh, restrictive, shall we say, as Debian. Uh, we don't go for the oh, must be free, etc. It's it's free as in beer, uh, so to speak. So anything that uh, we think is useful and we can legally provide to people, uh, we package up and provide to them. Great. So, uh, so if I'm a Solaris user, does this also include Open Solaris too, or can, is it, can we lump that all together this, this way? Uh, most, if not all, of our packages will work on Open Solaris, but uh, we officially support the um, the you know formal releases from formerly Sun now Oracle. Okay, uh, I mean, great. It's, it's sort of a best effort, but uh, on Open Solaris, but we don't promise. Okay, great. So let me just uh, fall back a little bit for some of our audience. So I have, if I have a Solaris installation, uh, it comes with a lot of really great sort of base software, but uh, I will often want to put things on it like Apache or Git or um, um, Perl even, uh, these kinds of things. So this is where these packages would come in, right? Exactly, yeah. And what's the, what's the problem of packaging? Why, why do we need a solution for that? Why can't I just download Git or download Perl and, and, and build it and install it? Well, you certainly can. Um, it's, uh, you know, basically like Debian. A um, long time ago, uh, it was inspired by Debian. Uh, I wrote uh, possibly the, the first real uh, comprehensive uh, downloader back in somewhere around 2004. I wrote package get, uh, originally inspired by apt get, and it's not like uh, well, Solaris is a little different from Debian in that Solaris had comes with the kernel, so you don't get kernels from us. 
So once you have the kernel and all that, you can compile anything you want, but why spend hours and hours when you can spend uh, comparatively few minutes just downloading pre-compiled stuff? Okay, so part of the problem it solves is that I'm not burning uh, GCC time on my own box or whatever the, the compiler is for Solaris. I think it's actually a, a separate a Sun's compiler instead or whatever now it's Oracle's compiler, I should say. Um, but, but I think the biggest thing, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, the biggest thing that a packaging system install, uh, covers is the whole idea of dependencies, that in order to install some fancy you know, X display thing, I've got to actually have all the X libraries installed and so on. How does, how does something like um, uh, OpenCSW deal with that? Exactly, yeah, that's, that's additional benefits, um, as well as the uh, occasional package uh, software that, that is a hard port. Um, you saw that 95% of software does compile fairly easily on the Solaris, but there's a few that are kind of tricky, and we bash them into conformity. Um, we use Sun's, well, not Oracle's, native uh, packaging format, um, and that packaging format does actually declare dependencies. Um, it's interesting that in comparison, Sun Freeware has been providing Sun packages for a long time, but they do not uh, include the dependency information in the packages, whereas we do. Um, so, I mean, it's very similar to um, equivalency. Uh, package get is to app get, and Sun's uh, SVR4 package is like dpackage. So it's very sort of close equivalency there. Well, at the, at a high level, obviously, the, the internals are very different. Okay, so so what are the problems that a packaging system solves? Granular. Oh, sorry, go ahead. So the the dependencies that we can declare are not as granular as you would get in uh, RPM or Debian uh, dpackage. So that does present some trouble at times. Right. More specifically, um, a, uh, a dpackage lets you uh, provide uh, dependencies on specific versions, whereas the slash packaging format just says you will depend on this package. And how is that running into trouble for you? Um, well, it, it doesn't really uh, much because um, we have uh, sort of a, a rolling, uh, currently supported thing, just like um, you know any particular. Uh, version of, of Debian, and so just a matter of um, if you want support from us, you know, to to sustainably support you, we expect that you will be on the uh, current uh, release of the packages. So uh, the first thing is, well, okay, do do an update and, and make sure you have the latest. Um, so it's it's not necessarily a, a a problem for us, it's uh, potentially a problem for people who for some reason really want to stick to GCC 3.2 instead of GCC 3.4. I can't imagine why, but uh, that would be an issue. Another thing that the packaging system solves... include multiple versions of a library. Go ahead, what? In the same we will also uh, at times include the same version, or multiple versions of a library within the same package so that we can uh, provide both while still providing the newer for things that are linked against older libraries. Okay, so that's one way to get around that issue then. Great. Uh, well, the other thing I think that a, a system like OpenCSW must do is, uh, I know that although everything is mostly source compatible across most major versions of Unix now, I know that some packaging systems have to patch the source in order to get it to compile on Solaris. Uh, so at what point does that happen in OpenCSW? Uh, whenever needed, basically. Um, as I said, most things compile fairly well. 
Um, the more common uh, problems we run into is just um, unexpected flags. We need to add compile flags. Um, there's a lot of GCCism, and um, to uh, we actually try to standardize for the most part on Sans compiler. Uh, so the GCCisms uh, sometimes bite us, but usually it's straightforward, and we just uh, tweak the uh, uh, tree car environment or something. You know, like the C flags. And it's pretty straightforward. It's fairly rare these days that we have to actually patch source. Yeah, that's the really nice thing about most Unixes being mostly close, and now with all the stuff with configure and things like that, that most of the stuff is actually sort of factored back out. Uh, how did the OpenCSW project get started? And I imagine Phil, you'd be the uh, best guy to handle that. Yeah, uh, we have a history page lurking somewhere, but I'll try and sum it up. Um, sure. So back in around well, 2004-ish, actually earlier than that. Um, uh, originally, I just wanted to use Sun Freeware, uh, which is uh, one of the oldest binary distributions of packages. And I wrote uh, PackageGet with that in mind. I thought, hey, you know, cool packages, but I'm tired of manually downloading stuff. Let me write a wrapper. Hey, Debian looks like a good one to copy. I'll do that. Um, and that worked for a while, and then I suddenly noticed the dependency problem. And I thought, well, all the way download is nice, but I'm still manually picking stuff to download. Uh, so I asked Steve Christensen, hey, um, I've added the support for dependencies. Would you mind just uh, adding it to uh, the package you put together? And for some reason, he had said, said no, and still says no. <laughs> uh, so interesting enough, while PackageGet still supports SunFreeware, and people uh, do download stuff from SunFreeware using PackageGet, um, I figured, well, okay, time to do something else. And... Um, I originally uh, started collecting some packages, just a handful, because um, Sun actually had its own distribution on a CD. Of, uh, it's called the Companion CD. And um, they did that for a while, but they only had about 100 packages. I decided to make my life easy and build on that. But then I decided, well, I found out I need more and more. And uh, so eventually um, I put a... Uh, request out on CompUnix Solaris Usenet group for um, asking for volunteers to really uh, start making a real packaging project. Um, and so that's uh, originally when uh, Dennis Clark volunteered BlastWave uh, to host the project. And so we had uh, started with a couple of people and grew more and more. And uh, we got to up in the thousand number of packages. And then a few years back, unfortunately, uh, Dennis wanted to do different things with Blastware than we wanted to do. Uh, he wanted to go more on the commercial side. And so we split off OpenCSW. Cool. So I, I can remember some of that happening back in the day, I have to admit. Um, I, I mean, very interested, actually. Solaris now has uh, three core packaging systems, uh, and my view is that uh, a distro is defined largely by the packaging system and the way that the software gets onto the platform. Do you look upon OpenCSW as a, a distribution of Solaris? Um, no, actually. Um, at some point, uh, I was interested in doing that sort of thing uh, with, with, with um, OpenSolaris, um, but... Uh, well, it's just too much effort involved there. It, that's a huge project in itself. 
and there are various people who attempted to do their own open slash distributions, but they picked different mechanisms, um, and so you know it just uh, didn't come together, unfortunately. Right. So, so I know that Next Center is Debian based. Are they using OpenCSW, or do they have their own Debian package installer? They have their own package set. Right. And is it all one big friendly family with people sharing packages, or uh, are there multiple versions of these things too? Uh, they're completely separate. That's kind of like saying, well, no. Uh, I'm trying to find a good equivalent. Um, that's like saying, well, yeah, you know, it's it's all Linux, so uh, I'm just going to build a system and uh, mix and match uh, deep packages and RPMs. Well, it's not really like that. It's it's like saying that uh, Ubuntu and Debian both share the same package format, and hey, look, all their package maintainers are the same people, and hey, look, it's mostly the same packages. Uh, well, it's not I, I'd expect that NextCenter and, and OpenCSW might well have a lot of overlap. Well, um, is more like um, uh, just taking the kernel and, and building Debian like a K-FreeBSD idea, or yeah. uh, a Debian FreeBSD. They're, they're using the kernel, but it's a Debian user land, Debian tools, whereas we're the, the Solaris kernel, the Solaris user land, we're in addition. Uh, we, we provide the things that you either have uh, versions that are too stale or not existing in the commercial uh, Solaris. There's also, right. a, so there's two, there's two things. One is uh, Ubuntu is explicitly built on Debian. You know, they're, they're basically downstream from Debian in a lot of ways. Um, so they have that in mind, or at least they did. Um, uh, there's also other differences between OpenCSW and, and other Solaris-based efforts, and that is that um, uh, NextCenter uses a different packaging format. Uh, way back when I decided, you know, I was not going to use uh, dpackage or, or try and shoehorn some other packaging format onto Solaris. I wanted to use the native Solaris packaging. Um, and um, so NextCenter and other things like that do not use it. Right. So does that mean that you're going to pick up IPS as well? Because that uh, is now the native packaging format on future versions of Solaris. Um, there's been some talk of that um, a couple of years ago when it came out. Um, I was interested in, in investigating that. Um, they did some really weird things with IPS. Um, they did well. That's a long thing. Um, let me let me shorten it by say we actually do some things better than IPS does. Um, so. Um, because the the sysvr4 package format is uh, somewhat extensible and lets you um, use these things called class action scripts uh, which are you can kind of sort of um, think of it as extensions to the packaging format so we have um, packages that we download that basically uh, extend the functionality and at this point i think our functionality in a lot of areas is better than ips um, so it's definitely something that uh, we want to keep an eye on, um, but it's not a critical thing. Also, the future the next release uh, is going to support uh, the current package format as well. Um, that being said, uh, there's also a certain amount of lack of uh, engineering time and drive. Uh, if someone was really fired up about IPS and said, hey, I really want to work on this, and, and can I help you guys? Uh, we'd say, yeah, great, come on in. Right, right. Now, I'd like to pick up on your community in a minute, but before I get there, um, I, I'm interested in how Oracle's acquisition of Sun 
has affected OpenCSW? Has it had any impact on you at all? Or uh, were you already um, so independent of Sun that really it, it had no consequences? Yeah, um, we were pretty independent of Sun. Um, <laughs> that's a, a long and strange history there. Um, but, um, yeah, it has basically uh, not affected us because we've been completely independent. Right, right. So, uh, how are you positive about the future of Solaris uh, under its new masters? It's rather hazy, and um, Oracle is not doing a good job of marketing or even selling Solaris, which is uh, really bothersome. Um, so, still in the wait and see mode. Right, right. So, you, you've presumably got a large global community of uh, Solaris deployers. Uh, how is your community structured? Um, community in terms of people who work uh, on OpenCSW or users or both? Uh, I, well, they're both community. Let's start with the people who work on OpenCSW. Uh, who are they? How many of them are there? Where are they? Well, they're all over the world. Um, a, a lot in Europe, only a few in, uh, in the North Americas or the Americas. Um, we have Ben, I really think, 15-ish. Uh, mostly active people right now. Um, that, that sounds about right. There's there's 15 or so core people, and there are uh, several that contribute packages from time to time. Um, basically, when they they a package that they look after uh, needs a version bump or something, they'll come in and do it. But they're not uh, day to day working on the tools and whatnot. Right. So, so, so how are you all organized? I mean, I know that uh, um, that the Blastwave guys have got a, a, a you know, a, a pretty formal structure, and there's a lot of people involved in governance. Uh, I, it strikes me that you, you sound very informal and relaxed. Is that really how it is? Uh, we do have a board composed of a president, treasurer, and secretary, um, but it's it's fairly informal overall. Uh, we do we do try to. Uh, uh, come to consensus on the mailing list for issues and, and sort things out uh, just like any project that way, but we do have the board uh, in place uh, when that doesn't work. Right. Uh, and why did you have, feel the need to have that board? Because, you know, it, you, you seem pretty organic, um, uh, and yet you, you seem to have a, a legal entity that you are supporting. Was there a reason for having that? I'll let Phil handle that actually because I came into the project just as the board was being created. So he'll he'll have more of the history on that. Okay. Um well to um be a bit fuzzy uh and uh hand wavy, um we wanted to avoid some of the problems that happened at Blastwave with assets. So we wanted an actual entity that was committed to um OpenCSW versus potentially other things. We didn't want it to get uh, sidetracked off and yanked off to other purposes. Um, so that's uh, when we split off. Uh, we came up with the idea of, of okay, we need some kind of nonprofit entity, and um, so the, the original folks there, um, we agreed on making a Swiss uh, nonprofit entity. So we're a registered Swiss. Uh, non-profit entity, uh, officially registered, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so that was it. 
And uh, we had the first meeting, I think it was in Geneva. That was an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, I mean, we don't have a budget. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. funny is that the, the uh, Swiss organizational rules man mandate that we have to have some kind of budget presentation. Um, and so our, our budget presentation consists of, well, we didn't spend anything because we have no money. Next, meeting, next thing on the agenda. <laughs> so I, I remember you forming. Um, uh, uh, you know, part of the context of that is that I know that uh, Steve Christensen had a relationship with Sun. He was producing the, the companion CD for them. And uh, I know that Dennis uh, uh, had a variety of relationships with Sun. Uh, does OpenCSW have any form of relationship with Sun or now with Oracle? Or is it completely disjoint? No. Um, there was some um, attempts. <laughs> Sun was such a uh, confused entity. The right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. Um, I was <laughs> at various points in, in discussions with various VPs and senior VPs at Sun. And, and, and sometimes they say, oh, yes, and we'll help you. And I'll, I'll get this guy. And the other time it was you know, total stonewalling. Um, so major mixed uh, uh, influences and messages there. Um, and, you know, at times I was you know, exchanging emails with Jonathan Schwartz. Um, got to meet him at a conference once or twice. Um, but we never actually got anything from them. Um, and Oracle is, is a, a, a big wall. Uh, we don't really have any, any contacts at all. Um, so like to. Um, but Oracle is so big and mysterious, I uh, don't really even know where to start. Right. I, I'll have you know that at Sun, the left hand and the right hand did know what each other was doing, and they hated it and argued about it the whole time. Um, um, so I, I, one of the interesting questions that's, that has come up is, uh, why Swiss? Uh, it seems fascinating that you should choose to incorporate in Switzerland. Uh, is this because you have a, a great big vault of resources somewhere that you don't want disclosed to the international community, or is there some other reason? Well, yeah, it was a combination of factors. Um, um, the, the two main active other guys um, at the time, Isan and, and uh, Dagobert, um, they're in that area. Uh, Isan is in Switzerland. I, I think I forget if they're actually both resident in Switzerland, or. Uh, but anyway, we also were had some equipment in place at the time there, and uh, so obviously they're at least both in Europe, uh, and uh, it just seemed like the the easiest, most straightforward way to go. Um, so, standard open source uh, methodology go with is what's easy and works. I, I, you've got to be, I think, the first uh, first nonprofit I know of that uh, incorporated in Switzerland. So that that was sort of fascinating to me too. So thanks for uh, for asking that question, uh, Simon. Um, I'm more curious now about how you, as a packaging organization, deal with upstream. Uh, how often? Does the upstream change, and, and how much of a lag is there before you're able to get it back in your packages? And are you able to contribute anything that you need, particularly to build on Solaris, back to upstream so you have fewer patches over time? Most of um, our maintainers yeah. uh, make a good effort to contribute patches, interact with the community. Um, 
and especially for packages that they're particularly interested in that they look after, uh, version bumps happen uh, sometimes the same night you see the release email. Um, there are packages that certainly lag, but those tend to be ones that somebody swooped in, packaged up, used for a while, and then uh, maybe their site doesn't need it anymore, so they, they lose personal interest in it. Um, I guess you'd call those orphaned in, in the Debian sense. And how often, uh, how many packages are we talking about? Are we talking about 500 or 5,000? I just want to get a magnitude here of things that I might be able to install on my Solaris machine. I think it's sitting at about 2,500. Wow. That's significant. That's great. And um, one of the things I've struggled with before, and maybe you can answer this for me, is... Um, like, okay, I, I'm on a Mac, I have uh, Mac ports, and it has a lot of things available for it, but every once in a while I get some piece of software that's not available for Mac ports, and I want to sort of still have it in the same flavor as everything else is installed on my machine. Is it, is it easy to take a native distribution and turn it into a local package under OpenCSW, or is that really difficult? Depends it's how you using using the standard sum format, so it's, it's, it's as easy or hard as, as people consider that. Uh, we do have uh, directions, well, um, I used to have directions. Uh, <laughs> for, for internal packages, um, we're mostly pushing on this sort of framework, kind of like Deb Helper, um, but uh, I used to also have directions up there somewhere about how to just uh, directly make uh, some packages by hand. So, I mean, if, if you're willing to familiarize yourself with that, uh, it's certainly doable and you can do it just for your own purposes or integrate with our packages if you like. And uh, another thing I know about Solaris, since I played with OpenSolaris for about uh, six months before I went back to FreeBSD, sorry about that, guys, but uh, I found FreeBSD a lot more sensible to me, but... Um, one of the things was this thing about the uh, these XML files for the uh, the, the management so part of the software. Does, does that have to be created uniquely for Solaris then, or, or do a lot of the upstream packages already have that? Which XML are you referring to? The uh, the, the stuff for the uh, the admin interface, SVC admin or whatever it is, the the special services thing that goes on in, in Solaris. Right. That's, yeah. Uh, getting back to one of the class action uh, scripts that Phil mentioned, we have. Uh, a, a class action addition that will take a regular init script and do all the XML magic for you uh, mm. for the generic case. Uh, but in the specific case, you can override that and provide your own if it's required for the package. And that's all integrated into our build system. So for the most part, you just place a file where it needs to be, uh, tag it with the uh, the class action script, and away you go. Oh, that's simpler then. So for we, some... we, we really, it's a lot of the magic sauce that makes uh, packaging with OpenCSW uh, easier than it could be otherwise. Great, great, yeah, because I know that was one of the issues I had, which was that I, I hadn't been a Solaris admin, at least not since Solaris 2, back in the early days, and so it had changed quite a bit in the seven versions in between, I guess, and, uh, and so I didn't have a good sense of how to make these XML scripts for things that were local to me, things I wanted to install that weren't part of the uh, packaging system available at the time. Um, so, given the... Uh, I was curious about infrastructure. So you guys get downloads all the time, right? So where are these downloads coming from? And can you give us an idea of the, the hardware and infrastructure you have set up for doing that? 
Uh, well, the, the primary uh, infrastructure that we have uh, is a build farm in Germany, um, mm -hmm. and then we have uh, our, our master mirror, uh, I believe, is also in Germany, uh, and our web uh, host is in Switzerland. Um, uh, Baltic Online is, is the sponsor of our hardware in Germany, mm -hmm. uh, and we have uh, a node for Solaris 9, Spark, and x86, 10 uh, on both architectures there as well. Um, Dago, our, our build farm admin, can spin up uh, instances almost on demand, it seems, uh, when we need something new. Uh, if we want to build against a different catalog, for example, uh, we can do that quite easily. And what kind of Other than that, we rely on... Sorry, go ahead. Build activity? Yeah. Um, I, I really don't know. Uh, again, we're uh, 15 guys primarily active. Uh, so you get on there and you're you're building away, but you're not generally paying too much attention to what else is happening. The the load isn't uh, such that you need to pay attention generally. I guess that's true. You're not actually building constantly. You're only building when somebody updates a package. And how how many how many updates are there in a day? Oh, Phil, you'd probably answer that uh, better than I would. Yeah, I'm I'm the release master at the moment. Uh, you know, whereas Debian has. Uh, a handful of guys, uh, they also have higher traffic on updates. Um, so we actually have a um, sort of weekly summary of release packages. It varies highly from day to day, but uh, on a weekly basis, uh, it's often we have um, somewhere between 10 and 20 updates. Okay, so it's not a, not a huge activity. How about the uh, download bandwidth? Is it Big. I mean, are there how, how many how many people do you think are actually downloading OpenCSW packages? Is there some sense of that? Well, we have 300 people on our user mailing list, mm -hmm. and um, back when we had uh, well, we, like Debian, we have distributed uh, mirror sites, mm -hmm. so uh, it'd be tough to tell you know all of our stuff, uh, but uh, and. Um, iBiblio, one of our main sites, unfortunately decided we were too much traffic and turned us to the un, uh, unmonitored downloads thing. Um, but we were having a couple thousand a day on on iBiblio. Um, at one point, I'm up to like 9,000, I think. But um, so, somewhere around there. Nice, nice. Um, and... Uh, are you looking for more assistance? Are you looking for people to contribute to the project? And if so, what kind of people? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we'd welcome uh, more volunteers, um, people who like Solaris and want to uh, see packages, uh, you know, software done nicely. Um, you know, we try and, and, and put together something that's, that's going to work rather than something that kind of halfway works um, and, and keep things integrated. Um, so, yeah, if you can deal with that and, and deal with working together with people rather than doing everything your way, um, then we'd love to have more people working. Great. And, uh, and how about, it? What's, what's your infrastructure like? Are you, are you building things with, uh, I'm hoping Perl, but it's probably Python, right, or PHP? And what's your website all that in? Uh, wow, too bad we don't have the, the website guy on. Um, we have a wiki, which I don't know what the back end is, and we have a WordPress for the main site. Um, and our, our build infrastructure is a lot of Python, I believe. 
It's okay. It's probably all indented properly. That's the important part. <laughs> all good. All good. Um, and so um, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of things to ask here. My question list is almost done. So I just wanted to ask, is there anything else you'd like our audience to know about OpenCSW? Oh, wow. Come and uh, drop by our IRC channel. We uh, we call ourselves the Friendly Solaris channel because if you uh, hang out in the regular Solaris channel, it may not be uh, very inviting. So if you want to come and learn more about Solaris, we're we're a good bunch of guys to learn from. Oh my God, I so know that. Let me let me give you my experiences. One of the reasons I don't use Solaris today is because when I went to the Solaris IRC channel to ask some questions, I was you know in the in the Amazon EC2 cloud, you basically had two choices at the time. You had Linux, you had Open Solaris, and so I didn't quite understand how to do some sysadmin things that I was sort of struggling with. I went to the Solaris channel, and boy, I got like completely screamed away there. So uh, if I had known about you guys back then, I might still be using Solaris today, but. Uh, no, I'm back on FreeBSD for a bit because it seems to be working. And now there's FreeBSD at Amazon EC2, so I might be running that there as well. Although given out last week's outages, I'm not sure I'd be going there either way. Uh, anything else you want us to know about OpenCSW? Give us a try. We're nice and easy. The, the packages uh, give you a, a much easier experience in a Solaris user land, which uh, can be a little bit broke at times. Uh, mm -hmm. So we, we can kind of take the rough edge off Solaris. Very good, very good. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on today and talking about your project and uh, wish you well. And if anybody wants to find out more about it, we'll have uh, links in the show notes. Uh, that's been uh, Philip Brown and Ben Walton of the OpenCSW Project. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Very good, very good. So, uh, Simon, Simon, uh, what do you think? Well, it's uh, a blast from the past, really. I remember OpenCSW uh, splitting off from uh, BlastWave, and uh, there was all sorts of uh, fascinating controversy that uh, the guys were very cautious about digging into there. So uh, I have a certain familiarity with the topic. Uh, well, it's fasc fascinating the number of different places that you can go to get open source packages for uh, Solaris. Uh, I, there's at least four of them now, as far as I'm able to count. Well, Simon, dig out a little bit of the dish there. What's uh, What was the controversy then? Oh, it was, uh, as Phil alluded to, it was to do with the uh, the, the, the way that uh, the blast wave activity was being administered. And it would it's really of negligible interest to the Floss Weekly community. But uh, uh, okay. the, it, as with all of these things, it's, it was a, a community that spawned out of uh, a disagreement uh, between people. And oh, it led to some uh, a new richness. Uh, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting to note that uh, evolution requires mutation. Um, with no mutants, there is no progress. And yeah, so uh, that, that's where OpenCSW has come from. Kind of like the way we have now NetBSD, FreeBSD, and OpenBSD, all of, of or internal struggles from each of those groups. So that's uh, it's actually kind of interesting how that happens over and over again in the, in the community. When, we, when you have the ability to fork and the pressure mounts to the point where a fork makes sense, forks happen. And I, I think that's actually a healthy thing. And, and, and we could actually compare that then to, say, the commercial, excuse me, the, uh, the non-open software that's out there, not the free software is not commercial, but the, the, the non-open software out there, we don't really see this in terms of, say, you know, people abandoning Microsoft products and kind of taking the code base with them and creating their competitors. It just doesn't happen then. Well, it's, you just can't do it. Uh, it. You know, if your supplier decides they're going to discontinue the proprietary software you're dependent on, uh, you only, your only choice is to go do something completely different. And I, I, I'm convinced that this is one of the 
key benefits that you get from open source software. It is what I call open source community escrow, where uh, in case of crisis, you just rehost and carry on as if nothing had happened. And uh, it's happened time and time again. It's happened at uh, the, 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 the company that I, I'm, I'm working with now. Their URL is uh, here on the screen, uh, Fordrock. Um, we've, we came out of that similar process of rehosting and just carrying on with uh, uh, Sun's identity middleware. And uh, all over the open source community, there's examples where the fact it was open source protected people's freedoms, protect, protected their ability to carry on doing business with the software that was crucial to them. And um, people uh, do speak about forks as if they were a bad thing, but actually they are the expression of the freedom that software freedom gives you. Well, they're a bad thing if they happen trivially. So if, uh, if just, oh, I don't like the three guys that are running the project right now, and I go and fork it because of that, that's probably not such a good thing because then, uh, we, you know, we had a little bit of this in the, in the, in the uh, Squeak community. We have a fork of Squeak called Faro, and it's attracting a lot of attention. And it happened because the Squeak core sort of stopped development for a while uh, for many, many reasons. And being on the Squeak board, I'm particularly interested in this because I, I want, I, I, I'm now seeing a problem that both Squeak and Faro are, are sort of uh, developing independently, and I'd really like to see a lot of the Faro guys working back on Squeak or maybe just having one distro again, uh, but I don't know if I'm going to see that for a while. So a, 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 a casual fork, yes, there's an issue with that. Uh, but, but, you know, the, the, on the other side, as I was alluding to a moment ago, the, it's really nice, though, that if there is something really not working about a community level and not working at the, at the sort of for the, for the real users level, that uh, developers can walk away with a copy of everything and get it to work. And, and th th that is something that I think if people get locked into uh, closed software, they won't be able to take advantage of that. So it is a, definitely a benefit for open source uh, software. Yeah, and the other thing people have got to watch out for is that the software they're using, which claims to be open source, actually lets them do that. Um, there's, a, there's open source software out there that you would find it really challenging to pick a copy up and take somewhere else and uh, start a new community. You, you wouldn't have the build scripts. You wouldn't have the, uh, the instructions for running the infrastructure. Uh, you, there's other secret uh, elements of the operation of the community that you wouldn't have, for example, uh, extensions that are critical for, for operation. So I, I do believe that as an open source community, we have to guard this uh, ability to create um, new communities and new forks. And you know, I, I, it was actually, a, it turns out that it was a good thing that the OpenCSW guys were able to pick up their uh, hosted activity from BlastWave and start a new uh, Swiss-hosted uh, open source community. And uh, in just the same way, I think we all have to protect that freedom to fork because it's the one thing that you'll discover is uh, impossible to simulate when a crisis does come along. Yeah, I, for example, I know that for a while... There was a project to bring, uh, with the, the Darwin stuff, to try to bring the OS X software to be completely forked and be able to be booted. But there was some secret sauce that Apple maintains internally that we can't do as public. And actually, the project to, uh, I think, keep Darwin open is, is gone now because it just couldn't stay in tune with and up to date with what was happening with Apple. So... Um, we do have that problem, and it's 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 not just this. It's not just having copies of the .c and .h files. It really is all that's extra stuff you're talking about. The the secret, the, the the magic make files, the build scripts, the and all the stuff that happens internally. That all has to be available and understandable by somebody outside the community to really make it work. Yep. Yep.
Uh, and the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, if you're dealing with a, a corporate hosted activity, they may well have a complete right to keep all of that um, uh, operational stuff uh, outside the realm of free software. And so I do believe we have to be very watchful for corporate hosted activities and make sure that they are truly protecting our software freedoms. Because in the final analysis, it's that software freedom that, that really matters. You know, a lot of us are very pragmatic about open source. Uh, but in the final analysis, what we're doing is exercising our software freedoms. And there does come a point when you do have to get a little bit philosophical, get a little bit practical, and uh, uh, decide that you're going to protect software freedom rather than just focus on the code. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, may the forks be with you is all I can say at this point because <laughs> I had to throw a bad pun in there somewhere. All right. <laughs> so speaking of bad puns, let me talk about the upcoming guests. We have uh, next week we have uh, Dustin Mitchell talking to us about BuildBot, which is the, uh, um, uh, uh, speaking of forks, it's sort of like Jenkins, uh, but we're done with Python and a bunch of other uh, nice cool scripts. And uh, for those of you that enjoy Randy Harper on this show, uh, FreeBSD Girl, she'll be back on being the co-host for that next week. We have uh, Matthew Flat coming up shortly after that, uh, talking about Racket, which is PLT Scheme. It's a training language, teaching language that's originally based on Scheme and Lisp, and uh, but really gets you so you can immediately get in there and get some, uh, some graphics happening on the screen right away, and really great for kids to be able to do that. Again, speaking of Jenkins, we've got Kos... Kosuki Kawaguchi, I'm probably mispronouncing that again, sorry guys, uh, is going to talk to us about Jenkins, which used to be called Hudson. Um, and uh, so I'm going to help I get you back for that show because I want to talk about the Oracle implications of that as well. Um, but uh, Jenkins is a build system. It's a, it's a build and testing system that constantly downloads your packages and makes sure that everything sort of builds together and gets installed in the right kind of packaging system that you want. Curtis Jewell, a friend of mine, is going to be talking about Strawberry Pearl, which is the pearl that runs on Windows. Uh, that enables you to take arbitrary CPAN packages and install them. Boy, this is a show about packaging, I guess, today. Um, and uh, I'm trying to schedule the next week or two uh, a phone call. Uh, he's way off time. He's in, he's in uh, India, I think. But Sitaram Chamarte is going to talk to me about uh, Gitalite, which is the uh, hosting system for Git repositories, uh, similar to what GitHub does. Not as many features as GitHub, but it's going to be the full features available there. Uh, he's going to talk to me pretty soon about that. Uh, a lot of the people on the short list go to twitter.tv slash floss, see where the link goes up uh, to take you to the uh, upcoming guests. Uh, let me see my notes here real quick. i got to get rid of that. There we go. Um, I am going to be in New York next week. Uh, I have a uh, meetup happening with the uh, Pearlmongers there. If you follow my tweets, you'll know where that's going to be. It's going to be at the Peculiar Pub, if you know where that is, on Wednesday night. But uh, you can come hang out with me there. The week after that, I'm on a cruise. Uh, so, once again, uh, sailing away as part of my job. Really tough ways to go there. And then uh, the week following that, I'm going to be in Boston. So, uh, again, there's, uh, the Boston Pearlmongers have me hooking up, I think, on Tuesday night there. Uh, but again, follow my tweets or tweet me at Merlin, M-E-R-L-Y-N. <laughs> See if I can say that clearly. M-E-R-L-Y-N, all six letters there. Uh, if you tweet me, I will try to hook up with you. That'll be great. Um, again, uh, lots of other places to see me online. Uh, but Simon, where can we find you? Well, um, I got taken to task last week by the folks over on uh, Identica uh, for failing to point out that you can uh, chat with me on Identica's uh, uh, microblogging system, so I'm Webmink on Identica. Um, mm -hmm. Also, given, given that a lot of the listeners to the show this week will be from uh, Sun Installations, I should point out that you can also find me at forgerock.com, 
That's the, uh, the company where I'm working now. And uh, in particular, I know a lot of those people are coming up to uh, license renewal time on their Sun DSEE installations, and they really should check out our completely open source LDAP uh, server, uh, OpenDJ, which mm -hmm. is a smooth transition from DSEE. Uh, if people would like to uh, run into me, they'll find me on my, uh, my website at webmink.com. Um, I'm speaking at a conference in Vienna at the end of May, uh, uh, which is a, 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 a new open source conference uh, being organized by the business community there, OSS Big, uh, okay. and that's on May 31st. And I'm also speaking at OSBC in San Francisco on May 16th. Uh, and I would love to see any uh, Floss Weekly listeners at any of those events. And yes, I'd be delighted to uh, come and talk to KK with you about, uh, about uh, Jenkins in a couple of weeks' time. So Very good. Uh, web, Webmink uh, on um, uh, Identica and, of course, on Twitter. Uh, Webmink.com is my website. Fordrock.com is where you can find, about, find out about OpenDJ and OpenAM and uh, upgrading from Sun's identity products. And I think that's all the plugs I have this week. Oh, great. Great, Simon. Thank you. And thank you again for being a co-host on the show. I always appreciate your insight about things that, uh, that uh, we both are interested in and sometimes the things that you're more interested in than I am and sometimes the things that I don't know anything about. I guess that covers everything at all. Uh, thank you again, Simon, for coming on the show. Pleasure. Very good. Very good. So, and I hear the music coming up, so it must be time to say we'll see you all again next week on Floss Weekly.